Welcome to Cut the Fluff, a space where we drop the small talk, peel back the curtains, and truly delve into what it is that makes us tick and what's keeping us up at night. You can expect honest, raw, and very vulnerable conversations. What's your story? What's your sign? It's like we're twin flames in a different life. Deep connection, lights a spark. It's like you know me in the depths of my heart. We're dreamers. Hey, folks, and welcome back to episode three of Cut the Fluff. In today's episode, Annika will be taking on the role of interviewer and asking me a couple of questions in regards to my transition from a full-time corporate career into a full-time career in modeling and flying halfway across the planet to Los Angeles, California to follow out this dream. I touch on navigating the career change and the crippling anxiety that I experienced in the lead up to the shift. I also discussed the ambitions that my parents had for me growing up and how these impacted my initial career choices. I discussed when it is best to share your ambitions with others and how you can best make decisions from empowered spaces. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. And as always, if you like it enough, hit the subscribe button and leave us a comment. All right, full disclosure, listeners, we cut that last episode, which you will never hear because we just weren't jiving and vibing and feeling it and we've got pandemic blues and we're overwhelmed and it's noisy out there and we just can't talk about some of that stuff right now. So I think we'll come back to it at some point, but we want to keep this episode light and fun and probably a short one today. But I'm going to kick off by asking Danny. I don't know why I'm talking like you're not here. (laughs) Uh, You're not in a room of people. You are just talking to your mate on Zoom. Jesus. Um, Danny, I'm going to ask you some questions centered around ambition. Okay. And I think this will be really fun because... Um, if listeners have followed along, they'll know that you had a bit of a switcheroo in your career yeah. from corporate events management to uh, modeling, modeling in the US and now in Australia and making that your pathway now, among other things. So I won't speak for you, but I want to jump in and sort of dissect this a little bit more. Okay, so let's let's start off with your parents. Mum and dad, they often have... They often have a big impression upon us and I think what we want to grow up and be. And so first question is, were your parents fulfilled in their own ambitions? Oh, um, let's start with dad. Dad grew up in a country town. He was born in a shack, didn't have running water. Like we're talking up in the hills and the sticks And he grew up in the basis of you work to survive. So he didn't have the idea of what career options necessarily look like. It's like you're given a job, you work, you get the money and you do it to survive. And then they came to Australia quite young and that continued. Where from? from, Sorry, Bosnia-Herzegovina. Both my parents are from Bosnia-Herzegovina. So dad's got that kind of work ethic. Um, He literally works to live oh no sure he lives to work more so than works to live 
mum grew up, she was very well educated. She was running a, she's actually a Renaissance woman. My mother is a Renaissance woman. She was a mining technician. So she was the one that was working in a company full of males. She was getting an idea of land mass and then ordering the the dynamite to blow up the landmass for the mines. And then she moved over to Australia and she went into the whole factory sphere here of production. And it was very different to what she was used to back home in Croatia or Bosnia-Herzegovina, which was she would go to work in, you know, really nice clothing. She'd be working in the office. Whereas here it was factory line, um, you take what you're given. She worked as a seamstress, a cake maker, a baker. She studied beauty therapy. So she became a beautician and now she's a naturopath. So she's worn many hats in her lifetime. And she only got her qualification for naturopathy, I think a week before her 50th birthday. So she... A true blue renaissance woman. Literally she is. And I think she's been my my inspiration to really like, there is no timeline where you can't get anything achieved. From an ambition standpoint, mum got there in the end, probably a little later in life than what she had anticipated. But dad has very much stayed within that realm of, uh, he now owns his own company, which I'm so glad he should have done it way earlier. And he even says that. But he owns his own company in manufacturing and he's really happy there. And I really don't think that he would have an identity outside of work. And so retirement for him, I don't think is on the cards because I don't actually think he would know how to function. Whereas mum, you know, is happy to have that balance of leisure and work. Amazing. Interesting. And so how did your parents' ambitions for you play out? growing up and have they changed uh they played out quite heavily so they had a pretty big influence on me as a child as many parents do I have always wanted to be in the performing acting modeling realm but that is not considered a a career it's more of a hobby particularly in the region that I was brought up in And so when I got out of school, I was toying between the idea of going and studying event management or studying nursing to become a midwife. Yeah. So it was between the two and mum had imposed some of her fears surrounding nursing on me in that time. So I decided to go down the route of becoming an event manager, which I remember both of them were like, what is an event manager? Like, what does an event manager even do? Because that title even now when I go back to Croatia and when I was working as as an events manager to explain to someone what an events manager is it just did not they didn't comprehend it Um, so it was it was interesting to see um, that play out and they haven't got my dad only came around to the idea when I was earning you know almost six figures that he was like oh this is actually a, a real career yeah so you know it's, it's not based around what you're doing and how happy you are it's based around how much money you're making and that's kind of the way that his mentality is whereas um mom generally has a tendency of like how happy you are. are you in that role and the money will flow on from there with that um with like the money dictates 
you know, how, I guess, how worthy you are or whether that signifies it being a profession versus just how happy you are, which weight, which had greater weight on you from? I, from a young age, the, it was the, the money aspect and I had reached almost a six figure income and an executive level role by the age of 26. So I was really driven by that factor. And then I got to 26 and realized this isn't cracking up to everything that I imagined. I had the house that I own, uh, the car, you know, everything, but I just, this deep sense of emptiness and overwhelm and anxiety. And yeah, I now it's really bizarre because I earn less than I did then. I'm happier, but yet I have more savings. Um, and I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that I was in fix it mode. So I was spending money on naturopath, trying to get my adrenals back in check and, you know, spending money on alcohol to drown my sorrows. And it was just this really vicious loop. So all my money that I was earning was trying to, I was trying to buy happiness in other areas. Oh, wow. How insightful. What was the, what was the trigger for you that went enough's enough? Like I'm not, I'm not happy. Was that a slow burn of realization or was it, was there a definitive moment where you go, nah, I'm done. In hindsight, there is, it was a slow build and I'm a very, I'm, to my detriment, sometimes a very loyal individual. So I stayed in jobs, some jobs way too long, way past the expiration date. And there was a time, this is probably not as light as I expected to this conversation to be. We don't do light. We don't, <laughs> we don't do light. I got to a point where I was working 8am to 11pm at night and I'd be high-fiving Armit in bed and being like, good morning, Armit and good night, Armit. And I had no sense of relationship. And there came a point where my anxiety and my panic attacks became so crippling. And I would sometimes look at myself in the mirror and not be able to recognize the person looking back at me. And I remember crying so deeply not understanding these emotions. And I just had this overwhelming feeling like I had no other option available to me under the planet. Like I just could not see any other option apart from continuing and getting through, through this work or totally quitting my job. And it just, I hit breaking point and I really, I do feel sorry for my last CEO because he witnessed me very quickly unraveling because I was I was that person that held it together I was fine you know I don't need anything but uh that you kind of hit a point where you just can't hold it together anymore and I think he witnessed the tail end of something that was probably building up over I'd say three years um Mm. and I'd switched roles in that in that time and I think I had switched roles from a headspace of um lack mentality and just desperation to get out of the place that I was working in that I didn't necessarily take into account. Firstly, if I was still aligned with the role that I was doing and I I jumped into something else very quickly out of desperation of just wanting to get out of that thing that I was in. Do you think that plays a role sometimes? Like you do just out of desperation need to jump to the next like life raft in order to get you to a new a new island and we'll call that new island modeling but did you need that life raft of that new job to get you there or like looking back what what would you have done differently or would you have done it the same 
exiting that career? The way that the, the switch up happened was very much, it was very bizarre because modeling full-time was never a thing that I perceived as a possibility to myself, even though I, full disclosure, I was working as a model while working in the corporate world, but I kept my two lives very separate and I will never forget <laughs> the moment. So I, it came to a point where I'd gone to the CEO and I was like, I'm done. I'm so burnt out. I can't do this anymore. And he gave me, that was in, I think October, I'd come to him and he's like, listen, we'll just get through this next conference. And I'm like, yeah, I'm happy to stay till the next conference. That's fine. I'll get that all packaged up and completed for you. But after that, I'm done. And he gave me two months off to go and think about what I wanted to do. And in that time, Amit um, had had a couple of drinks <laughs> uh, after a night out and he was staying with his parents in Geelong and he gave me a call and he's like, Danny, because he's been on the roller coaster with me. He witnessed firsthand what I went through on a daily basis, the emotional turmoil that I was experiencing. And he ultimately said, you've always wanted to be a model. Why don't you go and try do it full time? And it's so bizarre in hindsight now. And something that I recognize about my patterning is that I actually wait for others to give me permission or I make decisions from rock bottom places rather than empowered spaces. Mm. And so after that, literally, I, I cannot tell you how perfectly orchestrated the universe the moment I decided after that phone call with Amit that I was going to go and try this route everything just fell into place I I cannot some of the divinely guided things that happened you I feel crazy sometimes thinking about them but everything just unfolded I got the visa successful for that I had manifested a space in Santa Monica and it just showed up like that the moment I needed it and everything happened. And the universe conspires to, to help you once you just decide, once you throw it all in. And it's, it's, it's sad that I had to get to that point of burnout, but sometimes you have to go through the process to, to get to the next space. So I think I'm extremely grateful to my past CEO for giving me that time and space to just go think about things. But going back to the story, I will never forget because I had kept my modeling life and my corporate life so separate. When I had announced to the team in my corporate life that I was going to LA to become a model, I just was... I just received blank stares and I felt really hurt. I was like, how dare you do not think I can make this work, but it's just that they genuinely had no concept of my life prior. And so in their minds, from their reality, I was just this girl that woke up at the age of 28 and decided, Oh, I'm just going to go give Hollywood a try. Fascinating. Oh, so much to unpack here. So (laughs) Two things from what you've said. One, like straight off the bat from that comment of keeping your life somewhat compartmentalized and like splitting ourselves off into personal, professional, or in your case, professional, professional, but you've kept a divider. I think a lot of people struggle with that of like feeling splintered and they want to feel whole. 
I wonder what you would have done differently or what what advice you would have for people in order to like bring your full self to the table would you have done that looking back and just like peeled back the curtain and be like hey guys in my spare time I'm also a model and here's my portfolio and would you have kept it quite quite I think so the transition from the job previous to that one I had opened up the curtain and I got burnt very quickly. So my coping mechanism and the best way that I could navigate the space of continuing something that was a hobby uh, while working full-time, I very much needed to keep that divide as much as internally it was like killing me that I literally existed as another human outside of what they knew me for. And I felt I felt like a fraud. I really did. Yeah, yeah I bet. That is interesting. I mean... You, you learn pretty quickly to shut down and go into self-protection mode. Like there's a, a lot of rhetoric about two sides of the coin. Tell people your dreams. Once you announce a dream to the world, everything conspires to help you realize that dream. But also if you tell people your dreams too soon, they'll poo-poo them and that's enough to shut a dream down. And I'm guessing that's what happened with the first job. You opened the kimono and said, this is who I am. And they were like, you're too old, you're too this, you're too that, right? Everyone had their two cents worth. And I, you know, when you're working from a space as well where you're vulnerable and not fully in in the body about or comfortable with, with that aspect of yourself, when you have people question that in those earlier stages, it's really easy to get caught up in that narrative. And I, I had to make the, as much as from the space that I live from now, I, I had to make that from the self-preservation standpoint to not have to constantly be rebuilding myself back up because of the influences that I was getting from external um, parties. Yeah. Wow. So there's almost like a, a baseline of you have to be so in your body and so connected to that identity of yourself and so aligned and unwavering before you share it with the world or like certain parts of your world because obviously Armit was like a huge cheerleader and supporter mm. and so being discerning about who you share that with in the infancy of a new beginning I think like being protective of that is really important I think it's really important for firstly your sanity and so that you're not leaking energy out to trying to change people's opinions or try and get yourself back on track because you've been knocked down by, you know, other people's perceptions or ideas around what it should look like. But then there's the other side now, I'm kind of out the other end. And sometimes I'm like, do I share too much? There's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely a spectrum, hey? Like, yeah. <laughs> overshare, overshare. Um, I don't think you do. I think it's great what you do. And I think it's a refreshing voice for um, that world of like body and image and everyone just showcasing the highlight reel and presenting one way that you start to, when you see it enough, you're like, oh, that's the way it is. Like everyone's body is perfect and um, everyone has glowing amounts of self-esteem about this. But I think what you're doing to blow the lid off that and have a whole conversation around let's get real and talk about real bodies and like real emotions and like what the industry is really like how cutthroat it can be 
I mean, back to your story of Armit being your biggest cheerleader and almost giving you like the permission slip to like, go do that. What has sustained you since then? Like, was that just like one and done? You're on the rise and you went from good to great? Or were there other moments where you needed external validation to like keep you going? I think the biggest learning curve for me was that the modeling industry when you go into it full-time is so unstable and unreliable from the standpoint of you don't walk in like a Gigi had did and you're earning you know squillions of dollars and you're not working every day where I kind of had that idea that I would be working quite often but then I arrive in a foreign country no friends no family no structure that I'm used to and having to navigate that field I had to really become self-reliant and build up networks, friendships. And obviously I have my partnership and he's exceptionally supportive, but realizing at the end of the day that it really does come down to me, my attitude, how much I'm actually looking after my own mental health and questioning things like, is this still resonating with me? Am I still doing this for the right reasons? And I think that's been part of the process is just allowing these ideas that I originally clenched on to unravel, reassess, and then take the next step from there. Does that look like, oh, is modeling still my pathway or is it aspects of modeling where you're questioning what type of jobs you want to be taking? I think modeling, whether modeling is my pathway, in all honesty, I, while there are many positives about the industry, there are also many negatives associated with it. There's also the aspect of, I feel like I have more to give than just, not everyone's a clothes hanger, but you know, some jobs you go in, you, uh, you put on a hundred pieces of clothing one day, you take a shot from the front, three quarters and the back and In LA, particularly in some jobs, they don't want you to speak. So we don't want personality. Don't smile at the camera. And I felt like that was soul destroying for me. So while LA and modeling was an out ticket from this this beast that I had created back home with the anxiety and everything that I had felt surrounding my life here and what I had created, I had created, no one else created it for me. It was a moment to kind of come up for air and while I was very much still in survival mode while I was in LA that whole time there I was just constantly concerned about finances and when the next paycheck is going to be in but then I was also given the space to really turn inwards yeah I think that's that's what it kind of looks like and even now you throw a spanner in the works with the pandemic and obviously a lot of modeling gigs are off the cards I'm actually going to give myself props in this moment Yesterday, I booked my biggest job to date. What? Yeah. Congratulations. I'm going to give myself clicks for that because I, there's these moments and I feel like this universe is kind of playing this really nasty game with me. It's the less I'm invested in something, the more it gives back to me. <laughs> oh, let's go down that. <laughs> I... I will never forget, like, it's this little game that you play with the universe because you're so fixated on the way you want something to look or the outcome or 
whatever it may be. And we used to have this joke with my friend and I in LA, we'd go out and have a margarita and kid you not, because she was also in the music space. So very similar to me, we didn't know when our next paychecks or jobs were going to be, but we would do this thing where every now and again, we'd go out for a margarita. And the fact that we kind of allowed ourselves to stop fixating on what we wanted and went out and changed the energy, had a bit of fun, one of us would come back in the morning to either a job or a new, new, you know, gig or whatever it is. I like, it's wow. fascinating. And Did you have a margarita last night. <laughs> no, I didn't have a margarita last night. It's really fascinating. And the more I find I try to hold on to something and, and the way I want it to, to come about, the yeah. more I'm kind of pushing up against it and causing resistance rather than just allowing myself to surrender and it's this fine balance. I feel like mm. you can over-surrender as well. <laughs> mm. Over-surrender into just like... Yeah. <laughs> lazy, not doing anything about it. But um, what does surrender look like for you then to know that it's not just like piecing out, but... Keeping a out. vision of, of what it is that I'm working towards, but then being like, okay, the details of how I'm going to get there, I'm not going to fixate myself into that because if I get caught up in those details my energy flows into that rather than the big picture stuff okay so this is the vision that I'm working out towards great universe you'll conspire to get me there and it might not be the way I expected might not be with the people that I expected and might not be the career that I expected it in but at the end of the day that's what I'm working towards hey so I want to wrap up today because we're going to do a shorter one but I think in light of everything you've said, what piece of advice would you give yourself as you continue to navigate your career and um, through these challenging times? And what, what advice would you give yourself to never let it get to the point of absolute burnout and despair? Mm-hmm. Like we can have the breakdown and the, the tears, but to not let it get to a point where your body is screaming at you where your mental health is decimated where your emotions are kaput so how do how would you prevent yourself from getting to that point what would you put in place so that that doesn't happen and so you can realize when it's time to take a turn turn. and reassess I think recognizing that this instrument our bodies are the things that are going to get us from A to B and really truly investing in that and that looks and feels different for everyone for me it's nutrition it's sleep it's meditation it's yoga it's movement and the moment that I started investing in myself and recognizing that I'm going to need this like I've walked into this lifetime with this body and I'm going to, it's going to be with me till the day I'm gone. So the more I invest in that, not just from an aesthetic standpoint, it's from the mental clarity, vitality, mobility standpoint, the better I am equipped to move forward and to be able to better serve. So that's probably my, because I went, yeah, in the past, I've very much not um, the, some of the activities that I took part in, particularly like the binge drinking weekends, et cetera, was really detrimental to my mental health, the anxiety that I experienced on a weekly basis. And it was just this vicious loop. So I'd live for the weekend and then ride myself off and it was just, and it kept on going. And so I think recognizing that you really need to invest in yourself and no one's going to give you that permission slip to do it. 
you know, while Amit said, you should try this, you should have to wait till that moment. And I think it's a fine balance of not waiting till you're scraping the, the bottom of the barrel to, to really just step up and go, actually, I'm capable of doing hard things. I'm capable of making decisions from empowered spaces. What does that look like for me? Love it. Oh, thanks, Daniela. No worries. Thank you. <laughs> In the surface of um, really fascinating career changes, and I think it's very relatable for people and anyone like navigating a different turn in their career and wanting to make different choices um i think you shed a lot of light on how to make those decisions so thank you thank you annika thanks um i think we'll be back next week with another episode of cut the fluff catch you guys thank you bye bye bye